Well, good evening, everyone. I'm excited to share with you what's on my heart tonight, and I hope you all are excited and ready to receive. Amen. So if you're taking notes, the title of my message is A Call to Excellence. And I am here tonight to just to call. I am here to present my case to rise. Amen. Every believer has a call to a higher way of living. And we can do this by cultivating a spirit of excellence inside of us. Amen. So go ahead and turn over to Second Peter verse one or chapter one, excuse me, in verses three and four. And I have it in the Lexham English Bible. And it says, We can and should share in God's divine nature. We are to become more and more like Christ. That means we must begin to cultivate excellence of character. Amen. So the definition of excellence from the Oxford Languages Dictionary is the quality of being outstanding or extremely good. Amen. And some synonyms that I liked are greatness, perfection, purity, virtue, and importance. Amen. So what is the opposite of what we're being called to? Mediocrity inferiority, badness, ordinary, average, and worthless. And whenever I was reading these, I was just wondering to myself how many Christians and believers every single day trade the importance and the greatness of what God has called us to do to be average and ordinary and trade the valuable for the unimportant. And I would say a lot of us in ways that we may not even recognize, right? Amen. So, and it's not hard to be average or to be ordinary. It doesn't require anything extra from us. However, to live and to rise, it demands something different. It demands more from us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this means we can no longer live like everybody else does. We can't do what everybody else does and live how they live because we're going to get the same results. And if you go out, you go to Walmart, they're not putting on a display of excellence Okay, they did bare minimum showing up, right? There was n there's nothing special about that. When I don't go to Walmart, I don't dress like this, okay? They're getting what I'm rolling up in, maybe some jeans, okay? But there's, there's nothing special about that. It's not valuable just to walk into Walmart. I place a higher value on it, and we need a place of higher value on what we have inside of us, amen? So turn to Philippians chapter 4 in verse 8. And we will probably be running a lot of scriptures tonight, but that's okay because I can't say it any better than the word already has. <laughs> and I have it in the Amplified, and it says one of the things, nope, never mind, hold on. I typed down most of my scriptures, but not that one. And it says, finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. So this scripture right here, that is our filter for what? we're allowed to be thinking about. Amen? If it does not fit into the confines of those scriptures, those definitions, 
we should not be dwelling on it and centering our minds upon it. Amen? Because if I'm, I'm just thinking about worry or what somebody did to make me mad, that's not going to help me. That's not going to benefit me at all. I'm just going to be in offense and pouting, okay? And that gets us nowhere. <laughs> so one of the things that we're to dwell upon is excellence, though. Amen? And so if, if we're not up to par in a certain area in excellence, and I am preaching to myself with this message, okay? We can all grow higher. We can all go home up, okay? Just go home and begin to look for ways to change and to get better. Amen. So tonight, I want to talk about four things that we're to excel in. So turn to 2 Corinthians in chapter 8. We'll be looking at verse 7 in the Amplified. And it says, But just as you excel in everything and lead the way in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in genuine concern, and in your love for us, See that you excel in this gracious work of giving also. So in this verse, it contains the four things that I would like to talk about tonight. And so I'm just going to give you the four, and then we'll, we'll go through them, okay? So number one is in speech. Number two is in faith. Three is in love. And then four is in giving. And Reverend Richard gave me the perfect segue into that, because we will get into that a little bit later. If you know me at all, I love to give it's one of my favorite things. I think if I had one thing to study on for the rest of my life, it may be giving because it just, it so excites me. Amen. So first I'd like to talk about our words. So turn over to Proverbs chapter 18 and in verse 21. Amen. And I have it in several different translations, so I'm going to be going through those. In the Amplified Classic, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. The God's Word says the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love to talk will have to eat their own words. The Good News Translation says, What you say can preserve life or destroy it, so you must accept the consequences of your own words. And I think my favorite may be the Message Translation, which says, Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. So we are the ones deciding whether we're creating life or death in our life. Amen? With what we say, we're the ones deciding whether we're poisoning or making better any area in our life. Amen? Your mouth controls and sets the direction for your entire life. And so... We could be standing in faith, but if we turn around the next minute, any wind blows by and say the first thing that comes to our head, we're just going to, it's like taking my car. I just corrected. I'm going straight back over here. Okay, when you're driving a car, you want to set your direction and go that way. Amen. If I'm trying to go straight on the highway or the interstate, I'm not going, woo, 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 with all these different things. Well, I don't have it in the budget this time. I'll give to special projects next month. Lord, I thank you, Father, for paying off my car. You know, that's I'm, since I'm not spending on special projects this month, I'll go get some new shoes. You know, you're, you see, you're just bouncing all over the place. You're getting nowhere with that. You're driving around in circles. Amen. So we need to choose the right direction 
and then keep our words set and pointed. Amen. And God has made it so easy and simple for us. Amen. His word tells us we have the power. Our words have the power. Life or death. Now, can it get any easier than that? It can. It can. That was a little bit of a trick question. It can. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. In verse 19, and it says, I am now giving you the choice between life and death, between God's blessing and God's curse, and I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Choose life. <laughs> he gives us the answer to the test, y'all. Okay, our words are life and death. We come back over here. It says choose life. We just need to be thinking. We need to go back to our... Uh, Philippians chapter 4 filter and say, mm, I probably should not be thinking about that. That's not holy. That's not loving, okay? Miss Cynthia, she cut my hair wrong. I'm upset now. <laughs> Turn over to Proverbs chapter 15. <laughs> In verses 1 through 4, and I have this one in the Good News translation. And it says, A gentle answer quiets anger, but a harsh one stirs it up. When wise people speak, they make knowledge attractive, but stupid people spout nonsense. The Lord sees what happens everywhere. He is watching us, whether we do good or evil. Kind words bring life, but cruel words crush your spirit. Now, when I was, I've read this before. But whenever I was reading it today, I just noticed something a little bit different. It doesn't say that cruel words will hurt, will hurt and crush who you spoke them to. It says, the cruel words I speak to somebody else, those will crush my spirit. So, before you get upset and think, let, let some words come out of your mouth that may not be the nicest, who are you really doing the most damage to? We're hurting ourselves, okay? And it, that doesn't do any good to anybody. <laughs> Amen. But kind words, kind words cultivate life. Amen. So he's, he's even making it even simpler. Wh which words are life? Kind ones. Be kind. Be kind to one another. You need to go get the sticker and put it on your water bottle or something. Be kind. Okay. Or I will find you. <laughs> So flip over to Proverbs chapter 12 in verse 18. And then in the God's Word translation, careless words stab like a sword, but the words of wise people bring healing. And then in the good news again, thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword, but wisely spoken words can heal. So whenever I think about a wise person, it's just what comes to my mind. It may be different for you. But I think about somebody who is slower to speak, and they are very intentional with what they say. They don't just say the first thing that comes to their mind. Okay, that's what, when people do that, most of the time it's the words that hurt or just don't make any sense. Okay? And so we want to be wise. And we want our words to pack the most punches possible. Okay? It's like the, the instant pot of words, okay? 
make the time, make the words count. Make every word you speak count. And so we should all strive to be more intentional with what we're saying. Now, I'm not saying joking around and having fun is bad at all, okay, because it's not. But just think, I could be doing something else, okay? Or don't waste your time not speaking. Dr. Ed Dufresne, I love that. You're just cleaning your house. You, you, this is that opportunity to be saying something, okay? You're walking around, cleaning, cooking, driving in your car. Nobody else is around you. Or even if they are, you can talk quietly to yourself while you're working. Use your time wisely. You can multitask, okay? We can multitask. We can do more than one thing, okay? And so if somebody does you wrong, the right response most likely won't be the first one that comes into your head, okay? And so we need to just practice and learn Okay, maybe I didn't like what they said, but I'm, okay, I've got a zipper. Uh, my mouth is shut, and I'm going to think before I speak, okay? Because kind word, it softens, okay? It softens. But if I come back and say maybe what I was feeling, I, I have a whole-blown fight now, okay? We don't want any of that. I don't want to have to bail y'all out of jail, Okay. So, sometimes the best thing for us to do while practicing this is just learn to not say anything at all. And sometimes that's hard, that is harder than just not saying, well, I don't like that. But the wise and the more spiritually practiced people, if they don't have anything that they can say, they'll, they'll just be quiet. And so we just need to practice that. We just learn to be quiet. And so one final thing about words before we move on to number two is our words display what is in our heart. So turn to Luke chapter 6 in verse 45. And in the God's Word translation, it says, Good people do the good that is in them, but evil people do the evil that is in them. The things people say come from inside them. And in the New Living Translation, Excuse me. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So maybe you're thinking, okay, well, they don't know. I'm just putting on a good show. They don't really know what's inside me. No, eventually, sooner or later, what you say, it's going to display the real you. You're, gonna, you're putting it on display. It is the trailer to the movie, what you're speaking, okay? <laughs> so we need to just get into the word and put some good words that we can speak down in the bank right that we can pull from and we need to meditate on them I believe that's Joshua and Joshua 1 and 8 I think meditate on the word day and night find you something if something speaks to you don't speed past it and read something else spend time on it talk about it think about it really dig into it, and when that same problem arises, you'll have a different response. Amen? And so, number two, we are to excel in faith. Amen? So, we are going to have to cultivate greater measures of faith, because strong faith is required for these last days. Amen? We cannot be having weak faith with the world and everything going on right now. Okay? So, turn to Romans chapter 10. In verse 17. 
These are all very familiar scriptures, I'm sure, but it'll never hurt you to hear them again. Amen. <laughs> it's important to keep them before our eyes. And so I have this one in the New King James Version. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And we cannot downplay the importance of hearing or try and trade for something else because hearing is how faith comes. Amen. I am not fasting trying to grow my faith or get faith. That's not how faith comes. Amen. If I order something from Amazon, I'm not expecting to have, have it delivered by USPS. It's not the same avenue. Faith comes by hearing. And so we cannot, we can't trade the hearing. Amen. And we also, we need to just renew our minds to the fact of how important, how important it is. Amen. And it goes back to speaking. When, while you're cleaning or you're cooking dinner, just whatever you're doing, you could have a podcast going on in the background. And maybe even if you're not actively like sitting down with a notepad paying that kind of attention the the words are landing on your ears amen it's you're, you're it's there you're hearing it even if you're doing something else amen those of you who have long drives to work or even short ones put on a podcast just take opportunity of the time you have available to you to be listening to things find some good holy ghost music that will boost your faith. You need to listen to some Sinatra, okay? It's just required at this point. Okay, if you're going to be a member of this church here, you're going to listen to Sinatra, whether you like it or not, from the praise team. Okay, but she has so much good music, and it's Holy Ghost Bible music that's not going to hurt your faith. It's going to help build it. And it's a fun avenue. Amen? And so, let me see here. Because I'm not even on this right now. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 6. And I have this one in the Lexham English Bible. I like to check out different translations if you can't tell. <laughs> and it says, Now without faith it is impossible to please him. For the one who approaches God must believe that he exists and is a rewarder of those who seek him. So, Faith is the currency by which we do business with God, okay? I'm not taking monopoly money and going to try and pay for things. I would get laughed out of a store, okay? That's not going to work. And so, whining is not the currency of the Lord. Pouting is not. Even sincere prayer that's maybe not the most accurate. It's, that's not the currency, Faith is demanded and faith is required. Just like we don't expect anything different when we go to a drive-thru. We, we know money is required. Real money, <laughs> not fake money. You're going to be getting yourself into trouble. Yeah. And so we always need to be reaching for something in faith. Faith is like a muscle, and an unexercised muscle loses strength. So... Maybe we don't have a pressing need in our life. Okay, find something that you would want or enjoy or that would maybe bless somebody else that you could do for them. And place a demand on your faith and work that muscle and believe God for it. Amen? Sometimes it doesn't have to be so overly spiritual where it's like, well, I don't have a need, so I can't believe God for something right now. 
He wants us to have the desires of our heart and just to bless us also and have things that we enjoy. Amen. And so we always need to be exercising our faith. Otherwise, we're losing strength. We're losing tone. Amen. And faith needs a target. So just going back to that, you need to find something. You can you shoot at nothing, you'll hit nothing. Right? So turn to Mark 11, 23 and 24. I don't even know if anyone could ever talk about faith and not come to this scripture. <laughs> and I have it in the God's Word translation. and says, I can guarantee this truth. This is what will be done for someone who doesn't, be- or doesn't doubt but believes what he says will happen. He can say to this mountain, be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it will be done for him. That's why I tell you to have faith that you have already received whatever you pray for, and it will be yours. So we need to drive out the thought of impossible. Amen. Impossible and can't is not in our vocabulary anymore for what God can do for us. The new house you're believing for, if you can believe it's possible. Amen. The car you need for your family, if you can just simply believe God that he will do what his word says he will, it's possible. And so we need to drive out the thought of that's not possible for me. It's possible for Pastor Nancy, but I can't do that. We need to get rid of that. Amen. Because with God, nothing is impossible for those who will believe. <coughs> Excuse me. And so I have um, Mark 11, 22 through 25 in the message translation. I just love how it, how it read. It says, Jesus was matter of fact. Embrace this God life. Really embrace it, and nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, just say, go jump in the lake. No shuffling or him and hawing, and it's as good as done. That's why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything, ranging from small to large, including as you, excuse me, include everything as you, yeah, embrace this God life, and you'll get God's everything. And when you assume the posture of prayer, remember that it's not all asking. If you have anything against someone, forgive. Only then will your heavenly Father be inclined to also wipe your slate, your slate clean of skin. Slain. <laughs> Sins. <laughs> Excuse me. So asking for something to be done for you, that's good and right. That's a principle of the Bible. You ask not, or you have not because you ask not, right? But not everything is asking. And so I just, I thought of this little illustration with like working with the daycare or just any of you parents or anyone who has dealt with children. If I ask them, will you go please put away those blocks? There is an option implied there. Okay, and most of the time, the answer will be, no, I will not. Okay, they're going to stay right there. And I'm not going to play with them either. I'm going to go play with something else, but they just need to stay right there. But if I tell a kid, you need to go pick up those blocks now, I, I have not given them an option. Okay, and even if they fight back against me, they have to go pick up those blocks there's not an option there, okay? And so people need to stop giving their mountain the option to stay. 
Amen. You need, you, you don't say, mm, Bill, I need you to be paid, please. Money, could you please find your way to me? Well, you have now given an option. You've not used any authority there, okay? Use money, X amount, Satan, turn your hands loose. Angels, go and cause the money to come. There's no option. The money is now coming. Just like from the moment I spoke to the child, the blocks may not be picked up right, right at this moment, but they're about to be, okay? <laughs> that bill is about to be paid. It doesn't matter that I don't have the money right now right now, right here in front of me, because I said, and there's not an option, the money has to come. There's no debate about it. And so when we are dealing with things in our life, don't give it the option to stay. You use your authority and you say, pain, go in Jesus' name. There's no option about it, and it has to leave. Amen. So, Moving on to number three, we need to excel in love. And this is, this is a fun one. <laughs> so turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and 4 through 8. This is going to give us the standard of how we are supposed to be acting and living through and in love. And so in the Amplified Translation, it says, Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. Amen. So, if you're looking at that and hearing that like I was this afternoon that's a lot but it's not a suggestion either <laughs> we're commanded to live this way and none of us are perfect amen but before we act we just need to think am I rejoicing at somebody else's falling because that's not love and I just need to be thinking about, am I believing the best of that person? That may not be this, what the situation is. And most of the time, that's not what it is. Not how it seems is not how it actually is. It's just a ploy of the devil to try and, well, they're doing this behind me. Okay, so we just need to believe the best of every person because you would want the best believed about you. Amen. And so... Everything that we do, and going back to our words, and that we say, we have two filters now, okay? It needs to be filtered through 1 Corinthians 13. 
And if it's not loving, we're not supposed to be acting like that, okay? We can't act like the world and the church at the same time. And if the church is acting like the world, the world's never going to know that they need to change because there's no call to something higher and something different. Amen. Amen. So turn to Luke chapter 6 and verse 35. Amen. And in the God's Word translation, it says, Rather love your enemies. Oh, Jesus. So, not only do we have to love our friends and people that we enjoy and like to be around. Well, we're on the hook now because it's not just them. Okay. I'm looking at you, Brother Tony, for what you did to me before service. Love you, brother. It says, rather, love your enemies, help them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then you will have a great reward. You will be the children of the Most High God. After all, he is kind to unthankful and evil people. And the message puts it like this. I tell you, love your enemies, help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity, the way our Father lives towards us, graciously and generously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind. You be kind. (laughs) Amen. And I love that because I've always just kind of had the silent motto of, well, if the Lord can forgive me, I have no right to not forgive somebody else. Amen. After everything he's done for me, I have no right to withhold grace, withhold mercy, or withhold love. Amen. Because just like it says here in the message, when he lives towards us, when we're at our worst, that is what's expected. Amen. Amen. That same love, generosity, and mercy God gives, we are to give to other people, and not just other people, to our enemies. Amen. So when we think about how Christ loves us, it makes it easy. When we think about how much he's done for us and everything he's done for me and made a way for me, it makes it real easy to forgive someone and to help them, right? Because he did the same. Amen. So turn to John chapter 11, verses 34 and 35. And in the New Living, it says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So love is is the proof. How we treat others in love is the proof that we are a true disciple of Christ. Amen. And again, we're on the hook. It's not a suggestion. It's commanded that we live this way. Amen. The love of Christ is supposed to and should influence everything we do and everything we say. Amen? So lastly, we are to excel in giving. So turn back over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. And I have this one in the Amplified Classic. And it says, Let each one give as he has made up 
his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, for God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. And the Lord is not willing to do without a cheerful giver. I've always loved that. Because, you know, just in the natural, if I can tell somebody doesn't really want to give me that gift, I don't want it. And it's the reason why a gift that may be expensive like that and a macaroni necklace from a child who's really excited to give it to you, I'd rather have the necklace that's going to sit on my dresser for the next five years, okay, because I like sentimental things. I don't like to throw things like that away, okay? It's not about the cost always. In, in a different sense of what Brother Richard was saying, it, how we give and how much we give, that is what will be measured back to us. But I remind you of the woman with the mite, or the two mites. It, it was the percentage. It was everything she had, and she was freely gave it, okay? She didn't relinquish it. Nobody had to pry it out of her hands. She was excited to do it. Amen. And so we need to be like that in our giving. And we also need to give abundantly because God wants to bless us abundantly. And the only way we can do that is to plant more seed. Amen. No farmer is expecting a harvest with no seed in the ground. And it's no different for us, spiritually speaking. So that in the Good News translation, it says, You should each give then as you have decided, not with regret or out of sense of duty. So just because you give because you've always given, that is not the right attitude. We're grateful that you're giving. But for your benefit, that's not helping you, that's hurting you. Just to, well, I always give, so here's the money. We should never let it become stale to us to give. We need to always be stirring ourselves up like, no, I get to, I, we put this carpet in. I helped believe for that, and I helped fund that. Now we've got the family bathrooms. I get to do it again. Amen. We need to keep it fresh and exciting and never let it become stale and old. Amen. I didn't even finish that. Where did I go? For God loves the one who gives gladly, and God is able to give you more than you need so that you will always have all you need for yourselves and more than enough for every good cause. And as the scripture says, he gives generously to the needy. His kindness lasts forever. And God, who supplies seed for the sower and bread to eat, will also supply you with all the seed you need and will make it grow and produce a rich harvest from your generosity. He will always make you rich enough to be generous at all times so that many will thank God for your gifts, which they receive from us. And I just love that. We should, we should all start saying that. I am rich enough to fund every work that I would like to fund. And because of that, it's going to cause people to come and to thank the Lord. Amen. I, I want to be that kind of giver. I want to fund stuff. I want to build things. I want to see things happen. Okay? I don't know about you, but things need to be happening quick in these last days. And I, you decide for yourself, I'm one of the funders. Amen? And you should make that decision for yourself. You and your family, we're funders of the kingdom of God. Amen? And God wants to bless us, but not so that we can be stingy. Just like Reverend Richard was saying, he was blessed so much, but he kept it all to himself. We are blessed 
to be a blessing. Amen. We're supposed to, money, God can't get big money to us if he can't get money through us. I believe Pastor Nancy said that. Someone else said that. But after that, it's mine. Okay. <laughs> and so we should prize the giving. And what will be done for the giver? Turn over to Luke six thirty-eight. And it says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And I want God to be able to bless me and pour back into me with a generous and abundant hand. When I have a need come up, I don't want the blessing stream to be like a little trickle. I don't want it to be dripping. I want to flow. I want a river of resources that I can be able to pull from, amen, and not just for me, so that I can bless other people and see things funded, amen. And giving is a way for God to increase us. Now, to somebody, just naturally speaking, why would you give your money away? You're getting poorer. You're giving all your stuff away. No, not spiritually speaking, because you've now opened the door God can bless you. He can bring things to you. Amen. And I think it was in my dad's book. If you're watching, here you go. It was in a prosperous journey. I was reading that the other day. And, well, there it went. It's okay. It'll get back to me. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Mm-hmm. Well, while that's coming... Turn over to Proverbs 11, in uh, verse 24 and 25. And I have that in the God's Word translation. It says, One person spends freely and yet grows richer, while another holds back what he owes and yet grows poor. There it is. So, just because... You're giving out. It does not make you poorer. If in his book, the illustration was if you have $75,000 in your bank account and the Lord tells you to sow 50000 are you richer or are you poorer? Well, some people would say, well, you're $50,000 poorer. But no. Even with the $25,000, you're richer than you were before because you obeyed the Lord and you gave and you sowed seed. Because seed multiplies after its own kind. Amen. So now I'll finish the scripture. <laughs> One person spends freely and yet grows richer, while another holds back what he owes and yet grows poorer. A generous person will be made rich, and whoever satisfies others will he himself be satisfied. And in the Amplified Classic, in everything I have pointed out to you by example, that by working diligently in this manner, we ought to assist the weak, being mindful of the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed, makes one happier, and more to be envied to give than to receive. Amen. So giving blesses others, and it opens the door to God to bless and increase our lives. And so... We've got some homework this week, okay? We need to be thinking about these things because we're all going to become students of excellence and we're going to become excellence in how we're speaking and living in love and giving and using our faith. Amen?
So are you closing the service or here you go. Um, praise the Lord. Did anybody, you all saw yourself in there somewhere, did you not? <laughs> it was a call to excellence, and I, that's good. And really, when I, when you're thinking about that, I'm just thinking, all of the, uh, our standard is not the world. And that's, you know, that's what a lot, most people have to look at is what the world does. But the world standard is nowhere near God's standard. And so really the call of excellence is to become more like him. Our, that's, he's called us to become more like him. He's called us to be like him. And it's not impossible because he told us we could do it. So we, that's a, hey, keep up with all those scriptures this week. <laughs> that is your assignment the rest of the week. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you tonight. I thank you for the word that was brought forth. I thank you for speaking to each one of us um, where we can come up higher, Father, and I know you're going to deal with us. Um, just like a child, Father, you'll deal with something one by one. You're not going to overwhelm us, Father, but I thank you for showing us where we need to come up, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do it. I, I uh, plead the blood of Jesus over our families tonight, over our um, homes tonight, over our property tonight. I know there's some storms they're projecting could come in the area, but I say it's not going to hurt anything of ours. In Jesus' name, I thank you that the blood of Jesus covers us and our things. And I thank you, Father, for the people as they go forth tonight. Um, I call them blessed in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Praise God.